0: We're going to be looking this morning at a key thread that weaves its way through the whole of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and it's this subject of the kingdom of God. Now, historically, this has been a bit of a neglected subject, and it's quite interesting if you look back at church history, how God seems to bring to the attention of his church key things which he's wanting to say to the church at a time. So a few years ago, we had a rediscovery of the Holy Spirit, uh, which energised so many churches and have blessed so many people. We've rediscovered the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think this has been another of the neglected subjects. We've kind of forgotten about the importance of all that Jesus has to say about the Kingdom of God. And this is quite an appropriate subject for today, because... The kingdom of God is one of the main things which John Wimber and through him the vineyard churches have been rediscovering and making again an emphasis in the church. Ah, I have to grapple with this bit of technology which seems a bit temperamental at the moment. So this time last year as a church we were doing a series of studies on the book of James and we were doing a deep dive over a number of weeks into the different chapters in there. A little bit earlier this year we were looking at the subject of the Sabbath, we were looking at fasting as well and we were looking at Christian life and practice in quite a lot of depth. Today we are having a very sketchy overview of a huge subject and I hope that it will stimulate you enough to go and be able to dive into it more yourselves. Uh, For those that are here in person at the back of the church there are some bible notes which I've given of lots of passages and themes and the way this weaves through the bible so do pick up a a sheet from the back of the church. If we run out, and for those at home, please do email the church office and they can send a copy to you by email. But we don't appropriately enough have much time, so we'd better get a bit of a wiggle on. What we're really looking at here is God's purpose throughout history. And God is pretty single minded, His purposes are really threefold. The first is that he wants to have a people that are his very own, people who freely choose to love and follow him, his chosen and loved people. He wants to have intimate fellowship with humans, the people that he created. He wants them to know and love him and to enjoy his presence. And really, what's happening in human history is that God wants to restore what was lost and broken in the Garden of Eden. And what was lost in the Garden of Eden was God's rule and kingdom on the earth. So, what is this kingdom? Fundamentally, a kingdom is a place where there's a king. And the people that live in the kingdom are citizens of that kingdom. So for us, as we become Christians, as we choose to enter into the kingdom of God, we become a place where God rules. We become citizens of God. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit lives within us. But one of the key things also about the kingdom is that it's a place where God brings justice, peace, security, prosperity, and blessing. And God wants those things for us, but he also wants it to spill out into the world round about us. And the thing, of course, about God's kingdom is it's eternal. Now, in the Old Testament, this idea of the kingdom of God was centered around the kingship of the king, in particular King David uh, and the temple that was in Jerusalem. So the temple was the place where God was seen to dwell, to come and live among his people. And King David was uh, God's, as it were, representative who brought in a golden age for the people of Israel, bringing in a time of unparalleled peace and prosperity for the nation of Israel, to bring in justice and prosperity. And God's blessing was there. In the New Testament, it takes a new view. We have Jesus who comes in with the church as a heavenly... uh, a church belonging to God, uh, part of the city of God, which is seen as heavenly, with a heavenly Jerusalem as its territory where God rules. So let's do a little bit of history. We're going to skip through the Old Testament... Uh, Abraham was just an ordinary bloke. There was nothing special about him. We got a little bit of history about him in the Old Testament. It describes his family, where he lived, who his brother-in-law was, and that sort of thing. And God called him. And God made the most awesome promises to him, to create a people through him to give him an everlasting covenant, a promise which lasts forever. Now, a covenant is a legal agreement. You enter into a deeds of covenant with a tax man, for example. So a covenant has obligations as well as benefits. And so God made a very one-sided covenant. He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you and your descendants, and it's going to be eternal, which is really pretty amazing. And God's goal then, through Abraham and through his children, was to establish the kingdom of God on earth. And so we have the history, a few hundred years pass, and we have a, a temple in Jerusalem, and God comes and dwells in that temple as a visible, the temple is like a visible token that God is in the middle of the people of Israel. And during the kingdom of David and Solomon, there was a a tremendous period of peace, justice, security, prosperity, all the blessings which come from having God as your king. But God's plan was always that it wouldn't just be to the physical descendants of Abraham, but God has a plan to bless the whole world through the people of Israel. And there's an amazing story in 1 Kings 10, it's really worth reading, where the Queen of Sheba doesn't believe all the things that she's heard that God has been doing for Israel. So she decides she wants to go and see it for herself. And so she arrives in Jerusalem, sees all the splendor of the kingdom that has been established, sees the blessings which God has given to the people of Israel, and becomes a believer in the God of Israel. But... Within two generations, it all goes horribly wrong. The kingdom of Israel is divided and invaded. The temple, so glorious, is looted and destroyed. The people are exiled, and the kingdom blessings, peace, justice, security, become a memory as the people are exiled, enslaved again. But nevertheless, through this story of the growth of the temple, because of their remembrance as a culture of all that God had done for Jerusalem, because they remembered the promises that God had given to Abraham, there was this memory of the kingdom of God. And it became reinforced by the prophets that God was going to come back and restore this kingdom. God hadn't forgotten his people. There was going to be a remnant who had come back and enjoy the blessings of the kingdom of God. And so we have the prophecies, particularly Isaiah and Jeremiah in the Bible, uh, that have these prophecies reminding them of God's promises, that God hasn't forgotten his people and his covenant with Abraham. Yes, he would send them a Messiah who would restore and renew this kingdom of God. So for the Jews at that time, the kingdom became a memory and a hope for the future. And it's quite fitting that the last passages in the Old Testament in the book of Malachi is this promise of God's Messiah coming back to restore the kingdom. And there's this finishes with this topic that I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So as the Old Testament goes on and the prophets are recorded, there's this idea that there is a day when God will make all things new and restore his kingdom. Now, about this time, at the end of the Old Testament, the temple has been rebuilt, so there is temple worship restored, but the temple is an embarrassingly poor replica of the glorious temple that existed at the time of Solomon. A remnant returned to Israel. So you once again have Jews returning from exile to live in Israel. And then the Old Testament finishes and there's 400 years of silence where God has nothing to say to his people. There are no prophets. There are no new books of the Old Testament. God just seems to be silent and to have abandoned his people. 400 years of despair and oppression. The Romans come as yet another conqueror of the land of Israel. There's no prophets, unfulfilled promises, empty temple rituals. I was trying to find some sort of analogy to try and give you an idea of what it would have meant to the people of Israel When John the Baptist appeared on the scene. There is absolutely nothing I could think of. It was like an explosion among the people of Israel. Suddenly there was an Old Testament prophet coming out of the wilderness with his staff and with his cloak, proclaiming repentance, proclaiming the nearness of the kingdom of God, reminding people that God had not only not forgotten his people, but he was about to visit them again. No wonder the people flocked to him to hear what he said. And then Jesus comes. Oh, the technology has let me down again. Oh yeah so jesus comes on the scene and he picks up john's message to people of repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near a uh, quick technical aside for you here we've been talking about the messiah the messiah is a hebrew word The Greek equivalent is Christ, and both of them mean the Anointed One. So God's Anointed One has now come um, to visit God's people again. So this is where the Kingdom of God theme really picks up again, and it's a major theme in all that Jesus taught and did. We can't really understand the teachings of Jesus without understanding that fundamentally he is talking about the renewal and the reappearance Of the kingdom of God. Jesus was here to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah, to announce the arrival of the kingdom of God. But now the kingdom of God is just so much more than was ever pictured in the Old Testament. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is now present with him. at that time in Israel, the kingdom of God is now in their midst. You could say that Jesus brings the kingdom of God into present reality for the Jews at the time. This new outpouring, this new revelation of the kingdom of God was inaugurated by his birth. And the end of the kingdom of this world was foreshadowed by his resurrection that Jesus has now broken the kingdom of the world and ushered in this new kingdom. No longer is it centred on a physical temple. As the Jews were expecting... The kingdom of God is now seen as something which is invading this current world in certain times and certain places. As Jesus was doing miracles, as he was bringing healing, as he was feeding the 5,000, he was foreshadowing that God's blessing and healing and prosperity would again return. But at the time of Jesus, it was really just a token, a little bit still limited in time and place. But at the same time as Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is present among the people of Israel then, he's also got so many places where he's talking about the kingdom being delayed. Um, We've got a whole lot of uh, parables in Matthew 25 where they're saying that although God will establish his kingdom, the fulfillment is actually delayed And that was very much the reality. The Romans were still there. They still had no kingdom blessings. There was no peace, no justice. But the full fulfillment of all God's promises is still delayed. And here we are now, 2,000 years further on, and we still see that the kingdom is yet future. And Jesus was clear in his teachings, and the disciples were clear about this as well, that the future fulfillment is certain, but it's still future. Jesus taught that he will come again in glory, and the apostles and so much of the New Testament is looking ahead to the time when Jesus comes again to fully restore... God's kingdom. It occurs to me that this must have been really puzzling to the disciples. Why is he talking about coming again? He's still here. Where is he going in the meantime? Very good question. Um, So Jesus is looking for a future fulfillment at the end of this age, as he calls it. But this day of the Lord is not yet. And then as the Bible comes to an end, particularly in the book of Revelation, we get this picture of when the day of the Lord really happens. That the great day when God restores his kingdom and brings his kingdom blessings to his people is still to come, but no less certain for that. When it does come, it will sweep away the kingdom of this world. The king will be revealed in all his glory and majesty. His kingdom will be established again. His people will enjoy the kingdom blessing. And the Bible gives the amazing picture of every tear will be wiped away and death will be no more. Indeed, Eden will be restored with God walking in fellowship with humans. So we can summarise all this on technology. Oh, that slipped ahead a bit. Technology is meant to make life simpler, but sometimes it doesn't. Jack, can you flip back a slide, please? Yeah, Here we are. So in summary, this kingdom of God is here now among us and within us. It is near. Every day it is getting nearer. But it's also delayed. And we will not see the fulfillment of it until sometime in the future. And this kingdom of God is all these things at the same time. No wonder the Christian life can sometimes be baffling and confusing. The kingdom of God is now born in us. We carry it in us. We are citizens of heaven when we become Christians and God's Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. The kingdom of heaven is, is in us. It's now. Um, let me pause for a brief word of testimony on this. And I'm sure many of you will have similar testimonies to this. There have been a couple of times where I have really felt like I'm in heaven. I was thinking about this and thinking there was one time in particular, a time of worship at a uh, Christian event called New Wine. And we were in a, a little room, you know, but it wasn't the main meeting we were in because we had small children at the time and uh, so we couldn't go to the main meeting. And we were in a, a time of worship and it was like heaven opened and time stopped and it was just astonishing. God was just, God turned up. And we were speechless, we couldn't sing, just sat in my chair. Um, and I don't know how long it went on for, but it's like heaven touched us then and there. And I'm sure many of you have had experiences like that, and it's just sort of left a longing for, yes, God, can we have more of your kingdom, more of you now? Um, but also, this is kind of practical as well for us as we're living our Christian life. It helps explain, for example, what happens when we're praying for people. So we would have maybe a friend who is sick and we pray for them and the kingdom of God moves from being near to being present and they're healed and we rejoice and we're so glad. And we have friends that we pray for and they don't get better and they die or they stay sick and poorly. And the kingdom of God is delayed And it's not becoming now at that stage. And this is so confusing in our Christian life. But this doesn't stop us from praying and working for the kingdom of God to come present rather than near. The kingdom of God is so near, sometimes we feel out, we can just reach out and touch it. But other times it actually becomes present and real for us. So how can we sort of wrap this up, this great theme of paradise lost and paradise regained in the book of Revelation when the kingdom is fully revealed? First of all, let's recognize God's kingdom is among us. We are kingdom people living in the kingdom of this world. We have been born again into the kingdom of God. We're looking forward to heaven, but now we are suffering the same things of all the people around about us. We get COVID, we get sick, uh, we become unemployed, uh, things go wrong in our lives. We suffer heartache and pain, just as the people that are living in the kingdom of this world. Sometimes God is not near to us. Sometimes God's promises and blessings to us seem very far away, but we are still citizens of the kingdom of God, but living in this broken world. We are living between the resurrection of Jesus and the fulfillment and the completion of the kingdom of God. So let's be very practical about this for a moment then every time we pray the lord's prayer our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come it's like our daily prayer for god's kingdom to come now that means lord we want the jesus to come again we're looking for that day to happen but we also want more of your kingdom in our lives to bring peace and joy to a suffering world around about us to bring healing And peace to troubled people. So, when we pray, we are really praying for the kingdom future to become present in our lives, in our church, in our friends. We want to reflect in our lives and all that we do and work for the values of the kingdom. God's heart is a heart for justice. God's heart is a heart for people to know his peace and his presence. So we want to be working for everything that makes for justice. We want to be peacemakers in the world. We want to encourage people that are working for peace, even if they're not doing it from a Christian perspective, because they're things which God wants and God values. So we are citizens of heaven in the future, but we want to live as children of God children of God's kingdom, here and now. A little expression, to be the fragrance of grace in a stinky world. To be revealing God and to be living out the kingdom in our daily lives. Now, we're going to um, do a song now. Now, it's very difficult, I was feeling, to do songs of triumph and joy Um, when you have to mumble into your mask. So the people at home, that are on the live stream at the moment, you have a great advantage over us here now because you can sing out with all your hearts, whereas uh, we can't do that here. But we are going to listen to a song. There are different types of songs which we sing in church. There are songs of worship and praise. There are songs um, where we're singing to encourage one another. And there are songs as well which are really songs for us to listen to. Because they are words of the Bible which someone's singing to us. Or they're words which God is sort of saying to his church, to his people. And actually that's the case with a lot of Psalms and prophets as well. You'll find uh, that there are hymns and songs where it's just God's words to his people in song. So we're going to watch a video and listen to a song. And please see this is a meditation. This is God speaking his words to you. Just let the words float into you and encourage you and lift your spirit and to help you look ahead to this day of the Lord. So if we can have the... uh,
1: Video. There is a day that all creation waiting for a day of freedom and liberation for the earth, and on that day, the Lord will come to. I think
0: also in that is a great picture of what it means to carry around in you the kingdom of God, of bringing it to, to bear in situations in the world around about us. I thought if we've really been thinking about the coming of God's kingdom and the Messiah, there is probably only one way to finish a service, especially where we can't sing out ourselves. Uh, And that is another song. Um, Since we don't have a band here, and uh, Jack's actually working hard at the back, I thought we'll have an orchestra and a choral group as well. And we'll again just uh, listen to the words, the uh, words come up as text on this as well. And again, just let God lift your hearts and let him touch and rekindle your hope of heaven and the hope of the coming kingdom.